if you ha didn't see it, I encourage you to go on Facebook or on the church website and see the live stream. Very much worth watching both of those, uh, those programs. But uh, our speakers from yesterday morning, Tom and Joanne Doyle, had, a couple of, had some books out. And uh, if you didn't get one yet, we had some out last night. And at this point, they, they left them here. And uh, if you want to leave a couple dollars on the table, then we'll make sure that gets into our missions fund. But uh, they're asking, they're not asking for that. They're saying just take them for free. And uh, there's one copy of, no, it's gone. The, the book is uh, Women Who Risk. And there are a bunch of them here. If you didn't get one yesterday, please grab one and, uh, and read it. I think it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Is that right, Jess? Yeah. I want to make sure I'm saying my announcements right. I, uh, I don't think I've ever seen this room as full as it was last night. And then I didn't know what to expect tonight. As we were driving down here, I was telling Jessica, I, you know, if we have 20, 25 people here tonight, I'm, I'm going to be happy because it's a Monday night and you just don't know who's going to come out. But thank you all for being here. And I know it's going to be very much worth your while. Our speaker tonight, Mike Williams, is a guy I've talked a little bit, little bit about over the last several weeks as we've been building up to our missions weekend. And uh, I saw him tonight for the first time since I don't know when. But uh, I first met Mike when I was the local director for Child Evangelism Fellowship at Highlands, Hardy, and Polk Counties. Uh, and this goes back about 35 years ago. And uh, then at that time, he was a youth minister at Parkview Baptist Church in Lakeland, right by the Lakeland Hospital. And I went to call on him and uh, tell him about CEF, and he became a friend to me. And we saw each other several times around that time, but it's been just about that long since I've seen him. And he's gotten a lot older than he was. I'm, I, on the other hand, am about the same as I was back during those days. given you a chance to, to mock me sufficiently. Uh, so, pleasure to have, have Mike. Well, I hope he's better than me. But you, you had the crack last night too, didn't you? Yeah. Excellent. Well done. Before we go any further tonight, let's, uh, let's take a minute and, and pray and thank God for this and ask for his blessing on our time. Father, we are grateful that we have a reason to gather here tonight because of the cause of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that you are a God of redemption, who has a plan for reclaiming your own from the clutches of sin. Father, we thank you for the things that we've heard spoken in front of our group yesterday morning and last night, for the examples of powerful ministry that are going on all around the world. And we look forward tonight to hearing what Mike has to share for us. We ask for your blessing on him, on the work of Crossover Cups, I pray that you would give us open hearts and open ears tonight as we hear what you have prompted him to deliver to us this evening. Thank you that we have the opportunity to do this, and thank you that we are part of a church that has a passion for the gospel here in Indian River County and beyond and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And with that, please welcome Mr. Mike Williams. It is an honor to be with you tonight. Thank you. Monday night, and you all came out. I appreciate that very, very much. There, there's always the, the, the problem of when you, you have kind of a story, and, and people say, well, why don't you come out and do this event, and we'd like you to um, be funny for a while, 
and then we'd like you to share your testimony, and then we'd like you to maybe bring some a little from the Word, and then we'd like you to share about the mission, uh, and can you do that in about 12 minutes, okay? And so uh, that, that is impossible, so I will say this, I'm, I'm not going to do humor tonight, okay? I will be glad to come over on some night for you, and we'll just laugh and laugh and laugh. I did that for 30 years, 30 years ago back in, in the day, you remember that, uh, I received a call from a fellow who's from over in this area. Uh, his name is Scott Thompson. Some of you know him as Carrot Top, okay? And uh, I received a call and ended up being his prop writer for the next seven years. Went on to write for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Uh, you know, guys like that. One script, one script only for Saturday Night Live. It was clean when I wrote it, okay? I, I will say that. Uh, and then the next thing, you know, I got picked up and I, I started traveling the country uh, with, with uh, folks that you've probably never heard of, folks like Casting Crowns, Mercy Me, Audio Adrenaline, Third Day, uh, and uh, being there uh, opening comedy act, and you say, why were you opening for these Christian bands? Because to have an opening band, it cost a lot of money. To have one guy who lived on McDonald's hamburgers, it was real cheap. I was the great guy. Uh, in, in the mix of things, I have been very, very blessed. Uh, in the comedy world, uh, I was voted comedian of the year twice by the Christian Comedy Association in 2017. I was given a double award from the Gospel Music Association for comedian of the year. And the only reason I bring that up is what good is humility if people People don't know you have it. Amen. And so I just so so I, I want you to know uh, that. And uh, but I really I can't be funny tonight for another reason. I'm union. Okay. But other than that, we're sorry. I can always tell who's from up north when I say that. They understand that. And the Florida natives have no idea what that means. All right. You move up north. Move to Detroit for about a week and a half. You'll get it. Okay. That's all it all it takes here. And and how many of you are just you're you're not originally from Florida? We're okay. All right, most of you. Where, where are you from? Phil, where are you from? New York. New York, okay, very good. New York. Where's my New York folks, okay? Okay, where's my Pennsylvania people? We always got Pennsylvania. Good, good to see Pennsylvania. Michigan, where's Michigan? Michigan, Michigan. Oh, you guys are from Michigan. You're from Michigan. What part? The west side. Okay. Grand Rapids. Show me, show me. Okay, <laughs> show me, show me right there. Right, right, I got to turn it around, right, okay. Right, right over there, right over there, okay. If you don't know, uh, let me just point this out real quick and then we'll get on with the program. Um, the people from Michigan believe that their hand is shaped like their state. So just obviously in kindergarten, they never learned to draw a turkey, okay? But, um, but meet somebody from Michigan, even if you know where, where it's at, go, where is that? They will immediately go like that and, and they will point to the spot, okay? Uh, no, nobody else does that, you know what I mean? No other state, you know, Oklahoma doesn't go, Oklahoma, we're from Oklahoma, right there, you know? Idaho, they don't go Idaho like that, you know? Mississippi, nobody does that, okay? And, and so only, only Michigan, so that's it. I, I did not realize we had so many people from Mississippi here tonight, okay? <laughs> Yes, so anyway, you know, this was my life traveling. My, my family got to travel with me. We got to travel all over the country. Uh, we traveled in one of those nice big buses that you get to see. And, and somebody's got the phone, by the way. Uh, if, if it's for me, tell them I can't talk right now. I'm in church serving the Lord, and they should be too, okay? All right. What? He needs the toilet to... Sometimes there's too much information involved, sir, in a conversation that starts off with new people, okay? Oh, he's a pl you're a plumber. Oh, well, 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 God bless you. God bless you. Give, give me a call. It's good to, good to know a 
good to know a Christian plumber because I've almost lost my Christianity trying to plumb, okay? And so good, good to have one. Um, but th that's what I did for a long time. And, and my wife and I and family were very blessed. In the summer, we would travel around to these festivals and uh, the music festival thing, and we enjoyed doing that greatly. And, and the whole family would travel, and we enjoyed it greatly. And then what happened was I received a phone call. Okay, the phone call came from a friend of mine who ran a mission in the Dominican Republic, and he said, my father is sick. He has to come home for uh, some health conditions. He said, I know that you guys take the summer and you travel with the family because I was gone so much during the year. You want to kind of make it up with the family, you know, in the summer as much as you can. And so he said, would you be interested in going to the Dominican Republic? And all we need you to do is on Friday, we need you to go down and pay all the workers at the mission that he runs down there. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, okay, Dominican Republic, Bermuda, Bahama, come on, silly. You know, and, and, and that's, that's my mind. And so I, I, I go to my wife, hey, would you like to go down there? We're going we're gonna to rent a condo on the beach. Oh, that's going to be nice. We're going to have a whole summer, a whole summer, both weeks, um, a whole summer. No, we, we're going to have about uh, two and a half months of living in the Dominican Republic. It'll be a great international time for the kids. We'll learn to speak Spanish, you know what I mean, because the Taco Bell menu is very limiting as far as that goes. And uh, uh, so we moved down there, and uh, God got a hold of our life. Uh, we wound up uh, right where you see the little arrow is right there. Uh, that's uh, Sasua, Dominican Republic. It's uh, about 40 miles east of Porta Plata. And that's where we ended up. And we served for two and a half months at a mission. While we were there, um, God began to speak to our heart. I, I remember one day, our, our responsibilities for that mission, Marshall, were very small. So we just took it on ourselves to do other things. And we decided one day we would go out and uh, we heard there was a mission working at a garbage dump. Uh, and, and you've heard about missions working in garbage dumps, Trash Mountain people and stuff like that who do that all over the country. And we said, you know, maybe we can help. Maybe we can go out and serve with them. This would be great for the kids. It's, al it's always somehow the kids, you know. It'll be great for the kids to, to have this experience. And we'll just uh, give them a couple days a week and for the rest of our time here and because we're having such a great time, a way to pay back. And we got in the van and we said we, we, what we did every morning because if you're driving on Dominican roads, you're going to pray, okay? I don't care if you're a prayer warrior now or not. I don't care if you haven't prayed in, in a month and a half. When you get in the car in the Dominican Republic, you will pray and fast, okay? Because it, it's crazy out there, okay? Nobody has driver's license, and anybody who does is smart enough to stay off the road. And so every morning we would get in the car and we'd say, Lord, we need your protection today. We need your help. We need your safety. And Lord, lead us today to what you want us to see and what you want us to do. And, and, and lead us today. And, you know, especially praying with those kids. Lord, uh, help, help my kids learn something in a powerful way, something that will change their life while we're here in this time. And I remember uh, in that prayer, Marshall, and, and I'm talking a lot to Marshall because he and I go way back. Uh, obviously, as he mentioned there. And, and you, you know those times in your life when God just speaks to you. I'm, I'm not talking about out loud. I'm not one of those people. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about where, where in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, you just know that God wants you to do something. And, and, I, and I came up from that prayer and I said, guys, we're supposed to go to the dump. We're supposed to go to the dump today. We didn't even know where it was. We just started driving and asking questions. And I remember 
I remember about an hour later finding it. You turn back road here, turn here. And we drove into this. Now, I've been to the dump before, okay? Um, I, I, I've been to um, the landfills that they have. And so when I say garbage dump, those of us who live in Florida immediately think of those big, huge mountains, those landfills that are so nice. In the Dominican Republic, it's nothing like that. It is a mountainside of burning trash. And it's filled with kids this age who are running around trying to find a piece of scrap metal that they can, at the end of the week, that they can trade that metal for uh, enough pesos to get some food. It's people actually looking for food. And, and, and it really, uh, it, it amazed us. See, what happens at a dump? Um, at a dump, it, 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 sometimes the fires stop. The rains come and stop the fire. But what is happening underground at any garbage dump is basically uh, what happens when you have a compost pile at your house. Anybody have a compost pile at their house? And so you know that underneath that, if you were to dig into that, it's hot under that compost pile. It's, uh, it's sometimes between 1,600 and 2,000 degrees is what that will get up to as, as nature breaks it down, the way God created it, it breaks it down. And so because we're on the side of a mountain, they stack this trash and then the wind will come in and lift one corner of that carpet of trash and all of a sudden that, that wind will give that heat oxygen and <laughs> the whole place will go up and literally the, the people scram. And, and they, they might have built up a, mound, uh, a mountain of plastic bottles that they're going to recycle. And the fire comes through and burns everything that they have. And I'd never seen anything like that before. Little kids, I know you can't see them from over there if you want to move or, or uh, whatever. Uh, little kids, you know, when your kids are small and all of a sudden you see kids that are your kid's age, that could be your kids, Pastor. And it hits you. All, all of a sudden, it does something to you. And, and so we begin to ask the people, and we said, uh, uh, can you tell us? Uh, that, that's actually a house, by the way. That's a house in the dump. That's where a family lives. A piece of plastic, four sticks, a chair, and a dirty old mattress. Little kids in the dump right there. Beautiful little girls who, uh, the uh, soup that is in their hand uh, right there uh, is, uh, this is from a later picture, uh, is the soup that we bring in there. But there we found ourselves in the dump. And, and you see something that is so tragic. Now, sometimes you see something that's tragic, and you have a couple of options when you see something that's tragic, okay? Uh, option number one, you can say, wow, somebody ought to do something about this, Right? Option number one, somebody ought to do something about this. And it goes all the way over on the spectrum to, wow. The Bible says the steps of God's people are ordered by the Lord. How many of you believe that your steps are ordered by God? Yeah. So see, when I'm going around town or where I'm any place, whether it's here in Vero Beach or Lakeland, Florida, or the Dominican Republic or, or uh, Austin, Texas, I was in Friday night, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I'm not just here for what the schedule says. 
I'm also here for what you have me here for. Maybe it's just to say a word, a word of encouragement, a word of life, a word to lift people up. But I, I understand that my steps are, are planned, so I need to be careful to listen as I'm going to see what God is doing. There we are in the middle of this garbage dump. And uh, what are you going to do about it? Um, Marshall, life was pretty good at that point. I had a lot of comedy street cred. The career was fantastic. This was pre-COVID. Can you even remember those times? But yeah, it seems hard to anymore. Crowds were big. Enjoyed life. Still enjoying life. And all of a sudden, God says, do something about it. What are you going to do? He does that to us uh, more often now. But now at our age, we learn to trust him a little bit more. Um, people ask about this picture. It's a lady. You see that in her basket on top of her head is chicken. Now, I, I've got to tell you how this, because I took this picture myself. Uh, in fact, I believe that every picture we have in here, I took. So I remember the time. I remember the moment that it was shot. On Wednesdays, the big truck comes in that clears out the hotels. I'll tell you how the chicken came to be. Sometime on Tuesday, the chicken was being prepared for the hotel guests. The chicken that didn't fit the bill for American tourists, German tourists, uh, Russian tourists, we have those got thrown into a trash can. Probably a little afternoon, that trash can went out to the dumpster out in the hotel yard. Um, hot metal dumpster in the summer. I mean, seriously, we have summer days that reach over 110 degrees, okay? That chicken sat in that dumpster all day. Roaches, rats. It sat all night in that dumpster. One thing that people forget about the dump compared to here as compared to there is in the Dominican Republic, uh, their septic systems are not set up. Brother, you'll understand this in the plumbing aspect. Their septic systems are not set up to accept toilet paper. So in the Dominican Republic, you don't throw your toilet paper in the toilet. You throw it in the trash can. And then twice a day at that hotel, the waitstaff comes in, empties your toilet basket on top of the chicken that's out in the dumpster. All night long, it festers together with the rats and the roaches. And Wednesday morning, that big truck backs up. It's an old New York garbage truck. And uh, one of those big ones. Dumps it in, goes to another place. And when that garbage truck arrives at the dump, people start jumping on it and climbing inside of it, very dangerous, before it, it even, they're all looking for something good. Then all of a sudden it backs up into that trash pile and this big thing starts going up. And I remember, I didn't see the chicken come out, but I saw that lady 
dive in head first. She saw the chicken. She dived in. Garbage coming down on top of her all around her. And another girl lady that she was working with literally dug her out and they pulled out the chicken. It was theirs. Now, Mike, what are they going to do with that chicken? You obviously can't eat chicken that's been sitting in fecal matter and rats and roaches. Oh, yes, you can. Uh, they, they also get coffee pots, uh, uh, the tin coffee cans, five and ten pound, and they put the chicken in there with water, and they light a fire, and they do, in their words, what they call boil the death out of it. That's their, their phraseology. And then they use it to serve it to their families and friends. So that's how they get their protein. Two little boys going through, looking, searching. But God called us there. Uh, there's uh, two of our trucks that are lined up right there. You can see the people who are lined up. Because when God says do something, what do you do? You do it. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you folks, seriously, I've heard this before. Oh, uh, you know, uh, be careful making any deals with God because God will send you to Africa. Okay, well, some of you know you follow the Lord and you know that he hasn't sent everybody. If he sent everybody to Africa, there'd be nobody here, okay? God isn't doing that, but I'm telling you this. When God tells you to do something, if you want to have peace in your life, you need to do it, okay? And you might go, hold it, but I would never want to do that. And I'll tell you, there are days, folks, when I'm standing out there and, and it's days that the flies are bad and literally there are just flies covering everything and you look at kids that have, are in these dirty clothes from working in the dump and, and literally their back will be black and you smash them away and all of a sudden you see they're wearing a white shirt but they're covered with that. But I'll tell you what, I would rather be, <laughs> I'd rather be in the belly of a whale with God than on the boat and not in his hands. And we said, Lord, you have us here for a reason. We don't know what and we don't know why. But we know that you gave us this picture. And we've got to do something about it. We went to meet that other garbage team, remember? And we inquired and we found out that two years earlier they had been there. They left one day saying we'll be back next week. And they never came back. I called them. They simply ran out of funds. I understand it. So it was natural. What are you going to do? Lord, yes. Yes is a hard word to say, you know. It's a very hard word to say. Let, let, let's, let's move on. Um, look at that young man. Can you see him there holding a the thank you? Uh, now, let me tell you what we do now. Now we have a truck. Five days a week, we go into the garbage dump. We go in with 300 gallons of purified water. We also have ice in that water so that they can have cool water there. Uh, we take in, they get cups of soup, and, and it's uh, vitamin-enriched uh, uh, soup uh, with beans and noodles and meat, uh, and much better meat than what they would, would ever have. And we serve it to them, and, and the Haitians that are in the dump love to put a half a gallon of hot sauce on everything just to be able to taste it, and the Dominicans don't. They want to put half a gallon of mayonnaise on everything. It's totally, it's totally, oh, I know, it's just nasty, and it's Dominican mayonnaise, too. I'll tell you what, that'd be one thing I'd say no to God about, the Dominican mayonnaise right there, okay? If you ever get a chance to have Dominican mayonnaise, go, no, yeah, I'm allergic, okay? Remember this phrase, allergico. 
Okay, you know what I mean, brother. Okay, uh, so, so anyway, uh, but now we serve there. And, and then we realize because when you're working there every single day, and I'll tell you what, when God calls you someplace, now all of a sudden those places that are so ugly and so horrible, all of a sudden they're beautiful. I'll tell you what, we, we get up every morning and we look forward to getting the truck ready and, and going into that garbage dump and meeting these people and loving these people and throwing our arms around people that are the dirtiest people you've ever seen in your life. But you know what? You know that God is there and he's protecting you. And he has. He's taking care of me, my wife, my family, all of our team. We still go there. We still go there every day. But now what we do is we've worked with the families and we've earned the respect. Um, so we've been able to take the children and actually get them out of the dump. The children that used to be filling the dump now every day except Saturday because Saturday with their family, they help them in the dump. But now Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we've got them enrolled in a school so that the kids can come out. Now it took some doing. It, 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 you know, when, when you're a parent and you're sitting there and you're going, we need the food, I, need, I have two boys, I need both of them in the dump. But we said, look, we'll provide you with extra food to take home to them. Let us get your child out. Let us get him into a school so that the next generation won't have to be here. Amen. See, because that's part of the gospel. Uh, when, when, when Jesus was that, that wonderful day when Jesus opened the books in the temple and, and he began to read, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because these are the things that I do. This is part of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, it includes the, you know, Father, I have sinned, forgive me, come into my heart. I love that man, I, you know, powerful. But it's all part of it. It's interesting that Jesus rarely ever taught until he fed them. Hmm, just a thought. We have a bunch of little boys like this who are all in the program now. They live, uh, um, when we first went there, 11 and a half years ago, uh, they lived in the garbage dump. But then the government came in uh, with the people who owned the land and said, hold it. We want you here to help recycle this for free. But we don't want you living here in it. It could be some type of liability because there's a law in the Dominican that if you're in one place and you possess one place for more than three years, you can claim it as your own property. So the lawyers got involved and said, everybody out. And so they moved about a mile away from the dump through the woods to a little area called La Union Abajo. And they built houses out of scraps of wood. There was an old abandoned sugarcane plantation out there and there was this big building that they took over and moved into it. And now there's about 1,200 people who live in that village. And we, uh, next step pastors, we went and set up in the village. And uh, that's our community center. You can see their houses around, some of them covered with the old uh, tarps, some of them covered with uh, signs, road signs that have been taken down. And we have a community center right there. And we meet the needs of those kids. So after they go to school, they come back to the community center and we teach them English, not to bring them here. They know that's never our plan. We, we, don't, we don't push that. We don't instill that. But we know that if they speak English and maybe German or maybe French, 
along with Spanish, we know that they can get a job working in a hotel. And the hotel, the tourism industry will be the best industry for them right there in that part of the Dominican Republic. So that's a little bit of how we got there. But there's a little more here I want to bring into play here. Um, Pastor, you, you don't go to school for stuff like this. Now, maybe you can now, but back in our day, uh, seminary was a little bit different. And we found ourselves in this Dominican-Haitian mixed community. And we had never seen human trafficking up close before. I mean, you, you see it on television, they're doing the, the dossier, the documentary, and we see it here, and we see it in the inner city, and we see it on the streets, and we see it that way. And all of a sudden, we are surrounded by trafficking. I remember the moment that changed my life. We, we, we really worked hard to almost not see it. i got to be honest with you, Steve, because at the time when we were there, when we first went there, Okay, you have to understand, I, I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old. It's maybe a little bit too young to get mixed up in that whole world or us working there. Kind of protected them from us. And then one day, Joanne showed up. Now, uh, we were living in that uh, rental condominium there that we lived in there when we first got there. We, we don't live there now. We live... In a, in a village, little little teeny village uh, with 70 other houses and no houses over 20 by 22 foot, including ours. And uh, because you got to fit in, you got to fit in. And uh, we are the only house that has two fans, though, but don't tell anybody, okay? We don't run them both at the same time, don't want anybody to hear it, okay? You know, <laughs> white privilege. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that. <laughs> oh, they did not at the Democratic Party. Uh, no, it was a joke, people. It was a joke. It was a joke. I was. I, I, I am. I am non-political. Non my, my, my views on politics are this. Politics are taken from two words. Poly, which means many, and ticks, which are blood-sucking creatures. Okay, that's, that's all I'm going to say. All of them. All of them. So, so, sorry, I realize I might have offended people here. I was, it, was, it was a joke, people. It was a joke. That was free humor. Mark it down. We were living in this condo, and... Uh, there was another guy who lived just across and up from us. His name was Harry. Harry would come in every weekend from Santiago. He was a businessman there. And he would always have girls with him. And we had to be careful because Harry would take them out to poolside and take pictures of them uh, in various degrees of undressed. And so often we would have to you know, uh, go, hey, everybody, let's all go into the back bedroom back here and we're going to play a game of Monopoly just for a little while until Harry finishes up his photo shoot. We knew what the girls were. Pastor had no idea how to deal with it. Had never face-to-face. -face. At that point, um, let me say this, our Spanish was very poor. Okay, it's not good now. All right, do you understand? It's not good now. I, I, I am unfunctional, okay? Brother, Brother Ray, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Brother King, all right. 
So, um, and then I walked into our apartment one day and there is a working girl sitting on the floor with my daughters. Um, I don't know if you've ever walked into your house and found a prostitute sitting on the floor with your kids. I don't know what would go through your mind. Uh, I know that it was scary. Um, Mom was in the back working on a Christian newsletter. This shouldn't happen when you're working on a Christian newsletter. I mean, a regular newsletter, okay, but a Christian newsletter. And, and my girls, my girls at three and five, my, my, maybe you'll meet my daughters sometime. I'll bring them over here and let you, let you hear them sing. They're, they're quite the singers. Uh, we, we don't need a, a radio at our house, okay? They, they keep the air filled with music. And, and my daughters are the kind of girls that have never met a stranger. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those people, you know, this whole stranger danger thing, you try to teach your kids, if it's a stranger, stay away. Their motto is, if it's a stranger, okay, don't go with them, but invite them into your house, okay? And, and then look for puppies, okay? You know, that, I couldn't trust my girls not to go with people. That's, they, they love people. And so they are having, it was a Thursday. I remember it was a Thursday because it was British Thursday. And my daughters love to have British Thursday. Now what that is, is every Thursday, they would spend the day talking with a British accent. Now if they were here today, they would remind me that my British accent is absolutely atrocious, okay? But they would sit around and they would always, a couple of times during British Thursday, they would stop and have a spot of tea. And they would sit down with their little teacup set and their little saucers and they would have tea and scones. They didn't even know what scones were, but they would have them. And they would hold their teacup and they would hold out their finger like that because I told them that everybody in Britain had a broken finger. And they would hold it out like that and they would <laughs> sip their tea and they would speak British to each other. And sure enough, they saw this young lady who's walking through the complex and they said, cheerio, young lady. Won't you come in and have a spot of tea? Having no idea that she spoke English and she said, I'd be glad to. And that's how she came to be sitting on the floor. And I walked in and I'm like, uh, Lord, what are you doing? I, I don't know what the disease thing is. I don't know what the level is. I don't know what can happen. I don't, I, I don't know. But I know that it scared me. Joanne came to our house a bunch for the next week. She was staying with Harry and a couple of other people. And... Uh, who were there with Harry. And she would come over for brownies. My girls liked to bake. Mom would help them bake, because if they didn't, it wasn't really brownies. It was more like crunchies. And uh, she would come by. And she would talk with them, and she would sit down on the floor, and she'd sing songs with them. But Pastor, i got to be honest with you. We didn't know what to say. We weren't trained for that. Um, it, it wasn't in our playbook. I never took a class on it in college. It was about a week and a half later. I was headed out. Uh, we had the use of two vehicles when we were there. We had the use of a van our first weeks there, and we had the use of a motorcycle. And I often use the motorcycle because I use the motorcycle because gasoline is $6.50 a gallon. And so you're going to save money when you can. 
And I had just left, it, it was a big Honda 250. It's a, it's a big kind of a dirt bike thing with this big rack on the back. It's called a Bushmaster, okay? And it's made for farming. It's a, it's a Honda motorcycle made for farming. It's, 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 it's almost like an ATV, only it just has two wheels on it, okay? And big thing. And, I'm, and I head out the gate, the gates close, and I get, it's about a mile out to the road, and I get about a block down, and there's Joanne walking. Now, we've got a problem here. Um, my wife and I would normally always stop and pick up somebody. We always did that. We kept, we kept tracks in, in Creole and in Spanish in our car. So whoever we met, we could at least give them that. This was early on. We knew like four words of Spanish, okay? And, and, and two of them were taco and burrito, okay? Which was not real helpful, okay? And there was Joanne walking. I'm not with my family. I don't have a van. I've got a motorcycle. And to be honest with you, Pastor, I, I'm going to be really, I'm just going to lay it out. I thought about grabbing my phone and driving pastor with my phone up to my mouth and talking real loud. Have you ever pretended to be on the phone so you didn't have to have a conversation with people? Don't raise your hands, I know some of you have. But I couldn't. I stopped, hello, Joanne. Where are you going? I'm going to Sasua. She said, oh, I'm going to Sasua too. Would you like a ride? Now, now let me tell you this. Maybe one would think that in the Dominican Republic that if someone would see a prostitute on the back of a motorcycle with a missionary that people would just go, oh, praise the Lord, he's ministering to that girl. I'm sure that in Vero here uh, that if pastor came by on his motorcycle with a girl on the back that wasn't his wife, y'all would probably go, praise the Lord. He's such an outreach heart. He just has that heart. He just has that special heart. But we know, we know that people would talk, right? People would talk. They talked about Jesus. If they're going to talk about Jesus, they're going to talk about you and me, Pastor. She got on the back of that motorcycle. Marshall, I, I, I got to say this. I have this big rack on the back of the motorcycle, she sat as far back as she possibly could. I, on the other hand, sat as far forward as I possibly could on a motorcycle. I had never been that far forward on a motorcycle. I felt like I was riding a unicycle, okay? I was, I, I was up there. And we're headed into town. We're about another mile and a half away. And we were moving slow. I don't drive with people on it too much. And I said, Joanne, if you don't mind, um, before we get to town, I'd like to stop. I'd like to show you one thing. She said, that would be fine. I stopped in front of a medical clinic. It's a Nueva Vida Medico. I said, Joanne, I don't know your world. I don't know your life. I don't really know how to speak to you. But I want you to know that my wife and I laid the first blocks on that building about four years ago on a mission trip. It's run by Waldian and Helica Cordero. They're friends of ours. If you ever need to see a doctor, 
You walk in there and you tell them you're friends with Mike and Teresa Williams and I will promise you that you will be the next person in to see the doctor and it will not cost you a dime. That, that's, all, that's all I knew to say, Pastor. And that's all it took. And tears started welling up in her eyes. And Joanne told me her story. She said, Mike, I wasn't always the person you see today. She said, I, I, I lived in the upper class in Haiti. We lived up on the hill. But then the earthquake came. Do you remember hearing about the earthquake? Yeah. We, we were there that week that it happened. We lived in a three-story apartment building. Lights swung over our heads like this. She said, Mike, my house came down, and I was the only person to get out alive. She said, I tried to get to my mom and my sisters. I could hear them. I listened to them die for three days under the concrete, crying, screaming. But there was nobody to help because everybody's house had fallen down. Everybody had people underneath. She said, I got out with a pair of shorts, a t-shirt, not even any shoes. And then after a couple days, the men from down in the city, when they realized that the nice houses up here had come down too, they were starting to come up from the city and they were breaking up the houses. They were breaking through the concrete too, but they weren't trying to help anybody. They were just looking for things of wealth that they could take and they could, they could use for wealth. And the girls that were left living, they were raping the girls, Mike. And I knew I couldn't stay there. I had nobody. She said, I knew my mother had a friend in Sasua, Dominican Republic. I knew her name. And I thought if I could just get there, my mom's friend will help me. And she started walking. Said I walked. Took me 12 days because, let me tell you, it was crazy during that time what was happening with uh, people were buying five-gallon buckets of water in our, where we were, which is, which is two and a half to three hours from the border. We're buying, they would dump the water out right there and fill it up with gasoline to take gasoline over to the border and sell it for $30 a gallon. It was crazy. The police were out. They were turning people back. And she just started walking. She said, Mike, I drank out of puddles because I wasn't used to drinking the, the water that the Dominicans have. I can't drink that. I'd be sick. We were used to drinking purified water. Said, I had no money. I, I, would, I would find a mango, and it was not the right season. They were a little bit, you know, a little bit early for that, but she, would eat, she said, I would eat mango. And I came here to Sua, and I've got, I've got my shorts. I, I've got a, a T-shirt, and I was able to find two flip-flops. And I'm going up and down the streets, door to door, knocking on every, there, there's no phone book here. There's no way, just knocking on the doors, asking people if they know this lady, and nobody knows her mind. And she said, I was so hungry and so broken. And up pulls Harry, my neighbor, in his big Nissan Armada. And he rolls that window down and he had two other Haitian girls in the back. And he said, you look hungry. Why don't you come with me? Marshall? 
would never forget this. She said, Mike, I knew I shouldn't go with him, but I was just so hungry. She, she, said, she said, Mike, I used to teach Sunday school at the Baptist church in Haiti. I used to sing in the choir. I speak English as good as you do, and she did. And she said, look at me now. And all of a sudden, my life changed. All of a sudden, this wasn't Joanne who's a prostitute. All of a sudden, this was, this was my daughter because she could have been one that survived the, the house that came down. And everything changed. And my wife and I said, we've got to do something about it. Three nights later, we're having dinner in Sasua. We see a flashbulb. We walk back to see what's happening. There were some people with us. We meet a woman who's taking pictures of a little girl. She's 11 years old. It's her birthday. She looked to be totally drugged. 11 years old, it's her first night to be out on the street for the family business. <laughs> what do you do? God, somebody's got to do something about this. That's what you're there for. That's why you have the eyes to see. What are you going to do? We didn't know what to do. I'll tell you, folks, all it takes, all it takes is one, one time to see it. You moms, you moms in the room, come with me some night and walk out on the street down by the bridge and see, see ladies take, take plastic bags that have paint thinner fumes in them and put them over the face of their little child until that child passes out from the fumes and place that child up under the bridge by the rocks so that they can go out and sell themselves to, to German tourists and Russian tourists and number one American tourists. And that all, that's all it will take. <laughs> one is you're going to want to get a gun and shoot some people. But all of a sudden you'll realize this is real. It's different than it is here. These are young girls who are in this because they are so poor, it's how their family eats. We started a program some of those girls. This was the first one in our program. Chelda, her mother, father, her sister, and her brother came to Christ. They lived, in, they lived at that time in that little shack you see behind them, about eight foot by 12 foot, no bathroom. You can understand why you'd be willing to do anything to, to get out of there. Um, I remember our first Bible school for those kids. 55 of them in a 12 by 20 room. You want to know what hell is really like? We'd go in and teach for five minutes and tag somebody else and they'd come in and we'd go out and just create funeral fans. There's some of our girls in our program now. I think you can see from the faces and how easily it would be for them to be out there working the street. 
But we bring them into our sewing program and we teach them to sew. And they make these bags and we sell the bags for them. And they sell the bags for $20. Now it's probably a bag you could buy at Walmart for $3, but we sell them for $20. Why? Because I can do that. $10 of it goes back to their house so that they can tell their mother and father they don't have to go out and work the streets. I can help bring in money to the family. What about the rest? $3 goes back to buy another set of, of uh, material for them to build another one. $7 goes into a bank account so that they can go to college. Uh, right now we have two girls in medical school because of that project. They're some of our younger ones. I can praise the Lord today that we have two sewing schools, we have two bakery schools, and we're trying right now to finish a, sec a third sewing and bakery school, two-story, in the middle of the garbage dump properties to change their lives. We've been there 11 and a half years now. We have 15 buildings. We have 15 full-time staff that work down there. When it started, it was, uh, oh, there's some of our guys in our bakery. Wonderful young men. Powerful young men. Uh, I'll just leave that one on. You know, uh, that's what we do. Um, when, when we started, we went down there. We, we didn't go to any churches. We didn't ask for money. Um, the comedy was good to me, and I called my agent, and I said, here's the deal. Um, instead of me being on the road for, you know, nine, ten months out of the year and then taking the summer off, we're going to flip-flop it. I'm going to come back in September and October, and I'm going to work, and the rest of the time I'm going to be in, in the Dominican and the agency said it was crazy, it will never work. But you know what? When God has his hand in something, it works. And, and we did that for uh, seven, seven and a half years. And uh, uh, then uh, I had a little problem. Uh, my heart attacked me one night. I had had dengue fever, and, and it, it, it set off a heart condition. Uh, when I, had, I had flown to speak in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I was going to be there with a, a fella by the name of Mike Huckabee. Some of you might have heard of him before. He's got a little show on, or had one on Fox for a while. Plays bass guitar. That's what he's most famous for. <laughs> and uh, some things changed. But we stayed down there. Now the mission has grown we can't fund it ourselves completely anymore. I'm just being honest with you. And so uh, now I get to share my time and be down. COVID has changed everything, so I'm giving you pre-COVID illustrations. But uh, uh, I, last year, uh, the year before COVID, I was down there 160 days out of the year. And I have a wonderful staff. And uh, I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. Am I supposed to? I'm, okay, well, okay, good, good, good. Uh, sometimes it's easier to get forgiveness than it is to get permission. And uh, <laughs> um, I want to invite you to come. Uh, come with your church or come by yourself this summer. I, I've, got, I've got two weeks that are still open. 
you can come spend a week with me. Well, that didn't seem to go as a good play. Uh, <laughs> I, I had hoped for more excitement to just kind of <laughs> exude from the room there. <laughs> we, we do have a week open that I won't be there. How about that one? <laughs> but here, here's what I'd, I'd love for you to do. Uh, I'd love, here's what I promise you. you. You'll not be bored. You'll not spend the day painting houses. Uh, in fact, you will probably rarely ever do the same thing for a third of the day ever. But what we will do is we will go into the garbage dump. We'll go into the bakeries. We will go into the villages. We will meet people. We will pray with people. We will go out at night and we'll go out on the streets and we'll walk up and down where the bars and the brothels are open and we'll walk up to people and it's going to scare you to death. That first time that we walk up to a group of prostitutes and you ladies circle them and throw your arms around them kind of like you did when you prayed for me tonight. Those of you who prayed for me tonight. And you get to tell them how Jesus changed your life and you're going to say, how can I pray for you? And they're going to say, pray for me. I don't want to be here. Pray for me. I want to go home. Pray for my children. Sometimes pray for my grandchildren. I remember the night the lady said, I'm a Christian. I don't want to be here. The only reason I'm here is because of this story. She told us a story. It'd blow you away. She said, pray for me every night. The only way I'm able to get through this is Jesus comes in the room with me and helps me survive the night. Walk with me on that street. And I promise you, you will come home different. I promise your kids will come home different. I promise you, you will, you will greet every morning going, thank you, Jesus. For a good day. Thank you for the country that I've been blessed with. Thank you for the family that I come from. Thank you for the job that I have. Thank you for my church. I invite you to come be a part. I want to say thank you. You, you, you brought us into your mission giving. You didn't know me. I'd never been here. I, I thank you. I, I, I thank you guys for bringing us to the table. And I thank you for supporting. You have already fed so many people. Quick update. What is the time here? I suppose, I'm probably supposed to be done 20 minutes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, 10 o'clock, yeah. Yeah, we just lost another group right there, okay. <laughs> I'll wrap this up real quick. But when COVID hit, they went to quarantine down there for 120 days, and we had to go to feeding families for 100. We fed 600 families every day for 120 days. One of that family group was a mountain village that we ministered to. The only reason way we could get food to them because the police had the roads cut off is we would rent donkeys and put 200 pounds of beans on one donkey, 200 pounds of beans on the other, four and a half hours trek to the village to get them beans and rice. Then they would get on the, I say they, not me. The owner of the donkey would not let me ride his donkey's back, okay? Yeah, but <laughs> Daniel and Herodi would ride the donkeys back down. And so, you, 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 know, you, you know what you did this year? You fed a lot of people. Praise God for that. Remember, you say, it doesn't sound real big. Oh, it's real big. It's huge. It's huge according to Jesus. I was hungry, and you fed me. We'll just stop right there. Hungry, and you fed me. I could tell you stories about our work in the prisons. I could tell you stories about our work with the brothels and people in the brothels. I can tell you stories about the orphanage that we uh, partner with down there. Uh, but maybe tonight you have some questions. So let me just very quickly take your questions before we 
go back home. Yes, sir. The, the government. Yeah. Uh, the government, yeah, is, is not, not involved. In fact, the farther we stay away from the government, the better it is for us. Because the government is set up, anything in the government, they just want a handout. They're not going to give you anything, but they just want you to give them money. So the more you can stay off of the, off of the grid with them, the better, the better you are. But we are a legal uh, nonprofit entity. We are totally legal in the Dominican Republic. But we, because remember, Though, though they say that prostitution is illegal, when we go out on the streets and we talk to those girls, the people that are going to stop us and bother us are not going to be the Johns, it's not going to be the girls, it's not, not, not going to even be the pimps. It's going to be the police making sure that we're not interfering with the girls from doing their job. Okay, because that's what makes the money go round for Sasua, Dominican Republic. Sasua is an interesting town. It was started back just before Nazi Germany uh, when, when the dictator of there, uh, Trujillo, uh, allowed uh, German Jews to emigrate there to get away from Hitler. And then they all went back home afterwards. That's how the city was founded. Other questions? Thank you for your question, sir. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. North Coast, we're, we're right on it. Sasua is a tourist area. That's what it's built on. In fact, it's interesting. If you get on one of those planes and come down and spend some time with me, okay, you're, you're going to do a count on the plane, and you're going to see that it's seven to one men who come down there, okay, because the tourism industry is for the men who are coming down for, for the women, okay? That, that's common. In fact, right next to our mission is an apartment building that a Canadian guy built just to house men who want to keep one woman in one place down there and commute back and forth. They probably have family up here and they just don't want them to know about this and their job allows them to commute back and forth. Yes, ma'am, thank you for your question. Any other questions? Uh, no, we've, we've got this really neat thing with JetBlue. They go to Santiago, but when we get over Porta Plata, we have parachutes and we all just leap out. And, and so, but don't worry, it's tandem and you can ride with me. I'm sure the, the shoot will carry it. Uh, no, we fly into Porta Plata. POP is the airport code, but you can also fly into Santiago. Santiago is very cheap to fly into. In fact, uh, you can go, how far are you from Fort Lauderdale? Okay, you can go down to uh, Fort Lauderdale and get on a JetBlue flight for about 320 bucks round trip to Santiago and come back and forth that way. In fact, a lot of people come down and get their dental work done down there. It's, uh, Santiago is a big place, a big dental school, and they uh, teach. It's a great place to have, have the, the, what, what do they call it, the implants there. Yes. Yes, ma'am. It's a great question, ma'am. Uh, our, our leadership is a husband and wife team that were trained in Mexico to run orphanages, and they oversee the whole thing, but everybody else is, is Dominican folks who are there. We do have people who come in as interns at times. We have an intern right now from uh, Mexico, and so uh, and it's a girl, and so she's there working in that learning to operate uh, a mission, and you know whether she'll stay with us or go someplace else, that's not for us to say at this, at this point. But we, we work specifically with, with the locals. And, and uh, we, do, we do have a couple of churches, too, I might say that, Pastor, that are, are our own church that we have, we have started, okay? And so we have three churches there. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I, I hate to be just really blatant about it, but right now, because of, of getting stuff in and out, Everything we need, we can, almost everything we need, we can buy there. 
and it's cheaper than bringing it in here. Okay. For instance, sometimes I get things here. I, I had a church give me a, a really nice mixer. No, let me tell you this story. Yeah. Oh, this was, this was three months ago. I had a pastor who needed an oxygen machine. And so we got an oxygen machine. Uh, we took it over to Mission Aviation Flights. They took it in. And, and of course, uh, the uh, aduanas, the customs, uh, they couldn't figure out how it works, so they broke it. You know, because when you don't know what a handle does, you just pull on it until it works. You know, you, you know how that works. And, and we all do that. And they broke it and then wanted to charge me $900 in tax to bring it in. Okay, so uh, it, one of the best things to do is when teams are coming in, we want you to bring in stuff like material. Uh, sewing machines are fantastic. Keyboards, guitars, stuff for the church like that. Things, anything that's electronic that you can bring in when we have a team coming in is fantastic because if I have to ship it in, they're going to tax me to death. Yes, but, but pound for pound right now, we've been doing so much feeding. Uh, we're in a big feeding mode. Normally, every summer, we will have about 300 people come in. So if you were coming in in the summer, here's what I would ask you to do. I would say, would you bring in your bag, would you bring eight jars of peanut butter and eight jars of tuna fish, okay, and eight things of crayons and eight reams of pencils? That's for our, the school program, okay? We use that tuna all through the year that comes in. When, when you're talking about 300 people, eight jars, that's a lot of tuna, Okay, that's a lot of peanut butter. But because last year we didn't have any groups coming in, we have nothing right now. We're, yeah, we're, we're, we're food poor. We need to buy food and we have to buy it there. I can get it there. I, I can't ship it in right now. They, they have a new president right now and he changed Adwanas. I had worked with, I had a great contact there. Everything was going real smooth, but they changed. And every time they change the presidency, they change everything in leadership. And then you get a new guy, and then you have to work with him for a while. And, and, and yeah, figure, we'll just go with figure him out. Yes, exactly. What's the currency in those U.S. dollars that you have to purchase there? Um, it's, it equals to about the same. It's it's one it's one U.S. dollar to uh, 1.54 pesos, but actually the buying cost of it, it's a little bit higher to buy it there, and it's certainly not the quality. And often what you're getting at the supermarket is already out of date, but they're fine with that. Yes, thank you, and thank you for your question. Any other questions here? Just an observation. Yes. No, we know where to go. We, I was telling Marshall about this before. We have a brothel that's owned by the Russians in our town. It, is a, uh, it has a heliport on top. There's four guys that sit up there with AKs that monitor the place 24-7. It's known to be the place that they, they say the diplomats come to. So they fly in on a helicopter. They land there. They stay there. All the girls in it are Russian girls. 
Uh, 15,000 Russians emigrated to the Dominican Republic uh, since all the things have gone crazy after 9-11. Tourism died. The Russians came in and said, we'll make this all electronic. So it used to be you'd go down and meet your girl down there, pick out a girl who's on the street. Now you can pick out a girl online. They are actually, the Russians have actually started marketing girls down to three years old. Now, we're, we're not into that because that's all behind the scenes. That's not out on the streets. But uh, we know it's happening. And the girls tell us the stories. Yeah. Are there clean water, is it what, clean water down there? Clean water? You got it here? You do? <laughs> In your bottle, don't you? Yeah, right there. We have, we have clean bottled water down there. Yes, but uh, no, you, you don't want to drink the water. We use purification system. That's how we can take clean water out to the, out to the dump. Yes, good question, though, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, it, well, they're the ones that take stuff down for us. They're the ones that took down the uh, air, air breathing machine. It's a new relationship for us with them. We don't know them well, but they've been very nice to us, and we're grateful for that. We were using mission, uh, the other uh, Agape flights over on the other, other side, but they're so far down from us that we've started doing this. We really try to take down as much as we can with teams because with teams, we know we're probably 99% of the time when I'm with a team, I can go right through the customs and literally they will open up a case, they will see two keyboards shoved in there and, and the guy will, behind the counter will know me and he'll go, nothing here, and close it up and, and let it go. And, and then the porter makes sure that that guy gets dinner taken care of for him. Uh, and some people say that's not right, but if I take it in that room over there, they're going to charge me 100%. They're going to go online and say, even if the keyboard's 10 years old, they're going to go, oh, this sold new for $300? $300 is what they're going to do. And so, and the, here's the bad thing. Legally, because we're a, we're a, we're a 501C, is what they call it here, they call it an RNC there. Legally, we're allowed to bring that stuff in for free, okay? It's their corruption. It's not our corruption. Okay, we're allowed to bring it in for free, but they know that they go, oh, we'll have to check that out. We'll, we'll store it for you while we're checking it out. Remember, there's a $15 per day storage fee during the checkout. So while we're checking it out, it's, that's, that's going to be there either way. So, you know, it'll take a month to clear this up. So you're going to owe a few dollars for that. Yes, sir. Oh, sir, I'm sorry. There's a one question limit per person. No, no. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. Oh, our, our property was legally purchased. Uh, the garbage dump, we're, we, they don't allow anybody to live on it. So no, that happened. Yes, it still is a law, and, and the Dominicans can use it to their advantage. Okay, But it's, it's a little bit more technical than that I can explain to you in an open thing, because they're, like with anything legal, you know, as they say, contracts are made to be decided by attorneys. And so that's the way it is. A any other questions? I don't want to take you guys too late tonight. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes. Yes. 
We usually have a dental team that comes in every year from a college, but they couldn't come because of COVID year and they're not coming this year because the college is afraid for them to come down. Uh, we love to have dental teams. We've had chiropractic teams come down. We've had medical doctors. We love it when a nurse is there because I'll tell you, if you have a nurse on your team, that nurse will pretty much stay busy wherever we go. Uh, the Dominicans are, are, they don't have good medical care, so it's always good to have medical care. And one of the things that we have you bring down is that medical gear. So we, we have some uh, minor medical assistance there uh, that we work with and, and some of our people. We have doctors who come down and train our people how to do basic first aid, uh, wound cleaning, uh, things to do uh, with that. We even have an ultrasound machine if you want to get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Marshall. We're, we're ready, yeah. Thank you for allowing me to be here tonight. I hope our paths can cross when we can laugh again. And, and Marshall, thank you. Pastor, thank you. And thank you tonight. God bless you. Mike, thank you so much for sharing with us tonight. Uh, many of you will remember our Christmas Eve offering. And uh, for our Christmas Eve offering, I think it was just under $5,000 that w was that went to Crossover Cups. And that was for medical supplies and to, to help uh, with the education building that you're building. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so you guys had a part in that already. Uh, and our missions budget, this organization, and Life International that uh, Kurt represents, spoke last night, you know, we don't have a huge missions budget, but we split it between eight different organizations, and uh, each of our organizations, each of these two get $8,000 a year. Our uh, head of our finance team came to Jessica a couple of months ago and said, we have a problem. We have too much money in our missions budget, and uh, you need to figure out how we can give it away. So the missions committee at our last meeting uh, voted to give a second round of funding to each of our organizations. So it's not huge, but Mike and Kurt... These people will be sending you another $8,000 check for this year uh, to double what we're giving this year, and who knows what will happen next year, but we trust it will continue to grow. So I want you to know that because uh, this, these guys came to minister to us, we minister to them, and you all through your giving are helping to support what they do. So thank you for that. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Mike. Thank you to the missions committee, to the hospitality committee who took care of everything tonight. Let me close in prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for this blessing. Thank you for Mike and Teresa Williams. Pray for you to continue to use them in a great way. Use them in the lives of the poorest of the poor and the people who have no one else looking out for them. But God, we know that you care for them and are using this organization to meet tremendous needs. Thank you that the people of Vero Bible Fellowship can have a small part in this ministry and we ask that you would allow that to continue, to continue growing through the years. Thank you for a wonderful time celebrating missions yesterday and today, and I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and our lives to give us a vision, a desire, a passion for taking the gospel around the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you're dismissed.